Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. My thanks for our sponsor this week, Hayloft Plants. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to exchange some news, views and a bit of timely advice on all things gardening. Later, I'll be chatting to Michael Lavelle. He's a senior lecturer in landscape management at Riddle University College. Well, this week has been a real scorcher. So much heat and drying winds have meant that our pyramid of flowering pot plants has had to be taken down and everything planted. Didn't really help having no irrigation for 24 hours, but fortunately the water is back. Many of the plants needed to be plunged in buckets of water and the holes watered to keep growth turgid once they were rescued from those drying winds. A visit to two garden centres in Hertfordshire indicated just how active gardeners are. Both had shelves for fertilisers stripped bare, very little potting compost in stock and metres of sales bench normally stocked with colourful plants standing empty. The latest figures from Garden Trade News indicate that core gardening continues to be popular with garden product sales up 41% since the 13th of May and potting compost up by 60%. I mean, that's an interesting figure because in many cases, garden centres have been out of stock. You know, they've just sold out of potting composts. In the GTN figures... Uh, they show that the numbers of smaller sizes of compost bag sales are up by 207%. And it makes me wonder whether the manufacturers are producing in smaller bags in an attempt to satisfy, you know, a greater number of customers. Because usually it's uh, 60 to 80 litre bags that are the popular ones. There's a serious lack of summer bedding, not just here, but across Europe. Everybody apparently is looking for colourful things for gardens. In the top ten of plants here in the UK, cucumber plants held three of the places, with courgettes coming just second. Both of those, of course, will grow well in these high temperatures, so people new to gardening Planting cucumbers and courgettes should have pretty good results. And now we hear that the garden centre restaurants uh, will be able to reopen on the 4th of July. It will be interesting just to see what effect that has. The centres that I were visiting had a pretty steady flow of people. Uh, that was mid-morning. And in one case, there was a queue for people 
waiting to get in to make their purchases. Well, back in my own garden, I picked my first early plum. It's uh, from an East European cultivar, usually crops the first week in July, uh, and it'll be pretty well on time this year. I can't wait uh, for the rest of the plums to ripen so that I can get them picked and the tree pruned back. It's much too big and growing right over the veg plot. And of course the best time to prune stone fruits is immediately after fruiting because then the wound begins to callus and there's a less chance of silver leaf disease gaining entry through the wound. There have been several queries this week uh, on fruits, especially curling of leaf tips on apples. I mean, this is damage caused by aphids, green fly. Where they are really distorted, small leaves and all curled up, then you can just prune them off. It's almost like a bit of early summer pruning. But if they're really heavily infected, there's a lot of shoots that are curling up and damaged, well, then you'll need to use a green fly spray. Roses, too, uh, in many cases, could do with a protective spray. Uh, I've seen uh, spotting and, and yellowing leaves, the older leaves yellowing and falling, because they are infected by rust. Be sure to spray with a protective fungicide to protect the new growth on roses as one flush of flowers goes over. Because if you can get a systemic fungicide on, it actually gets into the sap and will give you a protection from all three major diseases right through for the next flush of flowers. I'm interested to see that the new precious series of Floribunda roses are producing new growth pretty well before the first flush has faded. So it looks as if they're going to be as freely repeat flowering as we've been led to believe. Well, my guest for interview this week is Mick Lavelle, the Senior Lecturer in Landscape Management at Riddle University. You may have noticed that we've had a number of guests on our podcast that have come from Riddle and course that's where I was trained. Back in the uh, 1950s there were just 40 or so of us horticulturists and it was mostly agricultural students and rag week the students usually got up to something and on the uh, roof over the main entrance was a finial. It was uh, usually the challenge of some students to get something up onto that little tower and finial I remember one year the agricultural engineering students managed to get an Austin 7 up on the roof. Lord knows how they did that. But more commonly, a chamber pot was stuck over the top. And the principal at that time, Ben Harvey, used to uh, take out his rifle and shoot it down. (laughs) We horticulturists were um, just a bit uh, overshadowed by all that agricultural interest. And on one of my two years, uh, I seem to remember that there was a big banner erected overnight across the main entrance, which renamed the college the Essex Institute of Horticulture rather than the Essex Institute of Agriculture. But I'm afraid our banner didn't stay up there very long. 
interesting to see what students are likely to do in these days. I'm not sure whether health and safety would look very kindly on uh, youngsters clambering uh, two stories up onto the roof to uh, get up to some kind of prank. I'm sure they take their studies much more seriously. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm very pleased to welcome today... Mick Lavelle, who is Senior Lecturer in Landscape Management at Riddle University College. Mick, how did you get into this whole world of landscape management? I fell into landscaping in some ways by accident, because as you'll probably remember, Peter, many years ago, to be a student, you had to work for at least a year in the industry. And then you went to, to study for a year and then you had to go out and do an industrial placement. And prior to being a student, I'd been uh, an estate gardener. And realistically, that's all I wanted to be. I was quite happy. I loved working on the estate. I loved the estate life. The old head gardener I worked for, he sort of uh, detected that there might be a brain in there, suggested I went off and uh, did what was in an HND. And the industrial officer there said, no, you're not going back onto estates. We're going to send you off to be a landscaper. And so I duly went off and worked for um, Frost of Milton Keynes. Um, I had no intention of uh, working in landscape originally, but going into it, I just found it was fascinating. It opened a whole realm for me, realising that there was more to the love of plants that I had than just simply appreciating the plants. So what landscapers do in terms of the transformative nature of changing the landscapes was just, it was for me and I was hooked. Yeah. Well, I'm working with Frost's very respected landscape company, but also, of course, got their feet in the garden centre industry. Yes, indeed. And this was the good thing about it, because as a student, I mean, I worked all week on the landscape gangs, and then at the weekend, because uh, I went and helped out one time, uh, the old stuff in the Christmas trees through the nets, because they were very short of staff. And at a slack time, I went and helped out on the advice desk. And the guy in charge of the garden centre said, you actually sound like you know what you're talking about. So every weekend then, <laughs> I ended up on the advice desk and taking people around and advising them how to use the plants. Because, of course, the, the gardening experience I'd got as, um, you know, as a, an undergardener and doing the city and guilds and then doing the, uh, the landscaping meant that I had a, a pretty good idea what the plants were used for rather than just you know, the fact that they look nice. I could, I could ask them about the soil they're going to put them in say, no, you don't want that, you want to get this instead. So it was, um, it was a very good rounded experience that I had when I was there. And, of course, they, they must have been reasonably impressed because they took me on again after I finished my, uh, my HND. <laughs> I think that uh, your estate experience at the beginning was a perfect foundation, really, 
because you're, you're doing pretty well everything. To be able to work under a good head gardener, I mean, both myself and my wife were very fortunate in working under a fairly f- sort of, I'd say fearsome, not in the sense of, you know, they were all, but, but fearsomely, in terms of their reputation, fearsomely good horticulturists, you know, really moulded us. I still find myself thinking occasionally, what would Mike have said? And uh, my wife still um, quotes old Magnus Ramsey up at three, you know. So, so I think it's um, it's really good to have that foundation. And I think this is uh, one of the things that with horticulture is that if you've got someone who can inspire you early on, it stays with you forever. Oh, I think without question. Yeah. You know, if you go into a school and do a little gardening workshop, you can see the uh, light in their eyes. You know? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is one of the things I think the students, that um, we, we have this... Um, a module on a degree called community horticulture and sometimes they go in and do schoolwork and those groups that go in and do the schoolwork and uh, with some agriculture students went into a school recently doing something similar they they're inspired if you like um in their own selves you know not not just inspired by the fact that the school children liked it so much you know the fact that they, the reaction they get i think they realize they think this is such a worthwhile thing to be in you know i mean you, you sort of know this already but nothing like uh, the joy of kids to make you feel it's really w- worthwhile yeah in terms of um, work opportunity what's the general situation now i mean we're hearing about the potential for lots of people being unemployed we don't have the one year and two years experience before you go to college anymore so what advice would you give to uh, young people Years ago, it was a useful thing to have a year or two experience before you went to college. I think think now it's important that people try and get experience when they're a student, but we don't really insist on it beforehand because in a way it was a bit of a barrier. I think really if people want to get into horticulture, there's no reason why they shouldn't. I mean, lots of people have probably been sat at home during the lockdown. And they'll be thinking, oh, I love my garden, you know, oh, this is great. You know, it's the one and only chance they have in some cases to sort of uh, interact with the environment. And from my point of view, I would say that um, if you're inspired by your garden, you know, if, if horticulture inspires you, you can always dip your toe in the water. You can go and do something like an RHS course in the first instance. And the, um, we have a lot of students who've done that. They've gone on something like a, a short course or an RHS course. And it's just really gripped them. And they thought, I could work in this. You know, this could be me. And this varies from, we've had people who've been senior financial directors of companies. I've got um, a, a, someone who was a, a barrister to the, uh, the High Court of New Zealand and then to the High Court of London, who's now retrained to be a gardener. I've uh, trained a retired High Court judge in the past. Lots of doctors, psychiatrists, nurses, ex-armed forces. And when you think about it, these are all professions where people have had not real stress in their lives. And so they've gone into the garden to de-stress. Now, as, I mean, as you and I both know, Peter, horticulture as a profession is work and it's hard work, but I wouldn't really ever have thought about it as stressful. There's some stresses, like say, for instance, as you know, when we've worked together on things like Chelsea Flower Show in the past, trying try to get all those damn foxgloves to bloom at <laughs> just the right moment and just be perfect. But I, I would say it's, it's not really a stress, is it? It's sort of like a, it's an adrenaline rush, you know, so you can still get excitement in horticulture and people don't often see this, the fact that there's really exciting things like 
like coming to the end of a landscape project when you're just getting those last few plants in, just getting it looking fantastic, getting ready for a handover, hoping that the client will actually hand over and you'll get your uh, your, your final interim payment sort of thing. And all of these things are sort of, um, they're exciting, I think, rather than stressful. There's none of that horrible overarching stress which you get in some of the professions and some jobs. Well, certainly I've never woken up and felt depressed that I've got to go to work. You know, I don't, I don't really, I don't really see it as work. It, it's uh, <laughs> has always been a way of life, really. Probably like me, I was gripped by plants when I was very young. I mean, I was uh, just out of single figures, I think, when I truly decided I was really interested in plants. But um, that's a long time, a lifetime of looking at plants. You know, there's lots of things you can get a bit bored with, and although there were certain aspects of any job that you could give away, you know, on a daily basis. If I'm walking up the street, you know, going past front gardens, things like. I'm always peeping into the garden to see what they've got. If I go into somebody else's garden, I'm interested in what they're growing. And it's the interest is always there. It's always genuine. And I've been very lucky. I've travelled to over 50 countries around the world, and every one of them I've just been fascinated to look at the plants. And I was lucky enough to be um, invited over to a lecture tour in Bermuda earlier on this year, just before the lockdown, fortunately. And it was just fantastic to go there and meet other gardeners. You know, and you, you'd realise, you think, this is a, a job I never, ever really get tired of. Yeah. And you never stop learning, do you? It, oh, no. <laughs> well, if you do, you've stopped being interested, and I don't think that will happen. So, <laughs> yeah. We usually uh, ask for a word or two of advice. If uh, some of our listeners, you know, are sort of spending time, more time in the garden and want to make changes, what advice would you give them? This time of the year, the, the main thing to do, I would say, in a garden is to, to look, to take a really close look. Because landscapes almost invariably tell you um, what they're good at. Um, if you've got plants which, say, for instance, um, are really looking good this time of the year, find out what they are. I and mean, the first thing is, it's, it's a three-step process, really. It's identify, find out what the plant is. So if, if you want to, to grow it or want to, to know more about it, you need to know what it is. Then you've got to go and find out all about it. Try so you can, the internet's a great resource now, but of course books. I'm still a great lover of books. I've written enough of them, so I, I tend to sort of I still think they're, they're important. So look up the plant, find out about it, and then once you've found out about it, go back and look out in your garden and think, okay, so if that likes this, and I know that that's the, the situation for this plant, um, what else can I um, can, can I grow there? And you then start to it's that old mantra then, right plant, right place. But I think. You've got to sort of look and see how your garden performs this time of the year. If you if you suddenly get to the stage it's August and there's nothing in flower, and because you know maybe you, you go on holiday normally this time of the year, you might think, well that's okay. I'm on holiday usually this time of the year. But you, the thing is, the insects aren't on holiday. The you know birds and other things aren't on holiday. So you need to try and keep the garden functioning all year round, and try and think of your garden as an outdoor space for the whole year. So when, when you're spending time out in it, you know, it's really have a good thing, have a good look and get a pencil and paper and make some notes because memories are, are sometimes a bit of a tricky thing. I think writing things down is of enormous value and, and cameras too. Absolutely. Although yeah, you, yeah. you almost want to print the pictures off, don't you? People, you, you know, take hundreds, if not thousands of pictures and then, of, of course, they're lost in the camera somehow. They are, yeah. Do you know a, a trick from the designers, which uh, sometimes is useful? You can do what they call a mood board, which would be simply just pasting the pictures into, um, and it could be some sort of a document on the computer, 
And so you've just got lots and lots of pictures. So you can say, do this in January, February, March, all through the year. And go around your garden and take pictures of um, of what what of various bits of the garden, and then you can sort of you can look back over the year and you can think, oh, you know, it looks really dull at this time of the year, or doesn't it look fantastic at this time of the year? And it was the same sort of thing then to sort of try and plan what it will look like all through the the year in a, in a more sort of constructive way. But yeah, cameras are, are, are phenomenal for sort of what we can do with them, and certainly our design students, that what they're able to do now with sort of photo montage and things like that to when they're trying to interest clients, you know. So I would say, you know, it's um, it's certainly, it is looking at the garden, really paying attention, and uh, there's never been a better time than lockdown to do this, really. So if somebody is to look for further education, where do they go? If you are a complete sort of uh, novice to education, so maybe, you know, you left school at 16 or something and um, you haven't got... Um, a lot of qualifications. There are courses which would uh, suit you. And we, when, the, the other thing I would say straight away is if, if people have turned off now thinking, yeah, that's education, I'm a bit too old for it. I mentioned the High Court judge that I trained uh, before. He was 83 years old and had to be dissuaded from doing an arboriculture course because he wouldn't have completed the climbing element of it. <laughs> so so <laughs> enthusiasm shouldn't stop you. But there is no age barrier to come and study in horticulture. And we certainly get uh, uh, University of the Third Age has uh, had a lot of interest with us over the years but um, my students on the degree course for instance they range anywhere from uh, 18 year old school leavers right the way through to people in their 50s and 60s sometimes beyond that um, there's, there's no reason why you can't do a course at any level but if you're not sure go onto the website look at it it's further education if you haven't got thing, uh, qualifications up to A-levels, usually. So, so you would uh, go and look at the further education course. And things like the RHS courses are very popular for people who want to dip the toe in and find out a bit more. But, and what's but, involved with that? I mean, how, how many hours a week? Well, or? RHS courses are usually one day a week, which will, I'll say one day a week. It'll start at something like 9.30 and finish at 3.30 or something like that. So it's not a, it's, it's like a, an equivalent of a school day or something like that. And um, sometimes you get bits of homework to do, but some of them are just practical certificates. So people come in because they want to find out more about it. And what we usually find is people come on one course and then towards the middle of the course, they're already inquiring what the next one we can do is and signing up for other courses. And we tend to keep all of our students for a number of years on that basis. And then sometimes they decide, that's it, I'm so hooked, it's going to be my career change or my, you know, it's going to be my career. And uh, they, uh, they sign up for something like a degree course, which of course is much more intensive. And we're really aiming to get people who are going to be uh, in senior positions. But what I would say for anyone who's looking at their employment prospects at the moment, and especially if you're thinking, I don't fancy that tube anymore, <laughs> or those crowded trains, there's, there was a survey done by the RHS in conjunction with some other bodies uh, a couple of years ago. And um, it was just published, I think, about a year ago. And they calculated the landscape horticulture, which includes things like estate gardens and also some of the supply industries and things like that. And that accounts for around about £27 billion worth of uh, UK output. And about one in every 63 jobs is connected with landscaping in some way or other. So it's a huge industry. And what we're really short of at the moment is really capable, 
trained personnel, usually at higher education level or certainly, you know, sort of in the supervisory positions, they're crying out for it. We, they can't get enough people to the extent that they're just taking people on from other industries and trying to train them up in their own time. So if you've ever, there's never been a better time to think about coming into horticulture, really. And if you're not in the Rittle area, there are other colleges, other colleges are available, of course, but <laughs> I would always recommend, you know, the, the oldest and best <laughs> for, as a corporate man. But yeah, certainly, um, if you've got a local college to you, to, nearby to you, and they do RHS courses, well worth having a look, you know, dipping your toe in the water to try one of those. Thank you very much for joining us today. You're very welcome. Uh, I enjoy your enthusiasm. <laughs> and, uh, hope, hopefully between us we'll uh, attract some more into this wonderful industry. I certainly hope so, Peter. For this week's quote, I go to Cecil Roberts, who says, To a gardener, there is nothing more exasperating than a hose that isn't long enough. Well, we've all been there, haven't we? And putting your finger over the end and squirting water a bit further is not very effective and very wasteful, with moisture not really uh, going where it's wanted. And, and, and it could be quite difficult today, buying another length of hose from what I've seen of the hose lock shelves on several garden centres. Look forward to speaking to you again next week. Have a good gardening time. My thanks for our sponsor, Hayloft Plants. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.